night. Well, I've been waiting for this afternoon for a really long time because I'm joined once again on the line by Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's so nice to speak to you. It's been weeks and weeks. I've been off ill and um, I've been tuning in, of course, but it's so nice to finally catch up with you. How are you doing? Likewise, Noreen. Good to speak to you in person again. Uh, are, you, are you back on the right track? Um, you sort of, oh. as, as, as I like choke on my own. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling oh, a lot better. Um, right. But it, it sometimes it, it takes a it takes a bit of time, Andrew, for our health to recover. Um, so, um, health is wealth, as they say. Well, I hope you get wealthy very soon. Yes, thank you Meaning so healthy. much. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and 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 wealthy. I wouldn't <laughs> okay. mind wouldn't mind some wealth yeah. coming my way. So, what have yeah, you got sure. for for us this afternoon? Right. Okay, well, I've got um, starting off with something which is quite a an interesting global report on how to prevent food shortages. Um, it's in the run up to the UN debut. Food Systems Summit, which is going to go on next Thursday in New York. And experts who are attending that from all different areas of government and food production industry are calling for sweeping changes to the world's current food system in order to fix existing weaknesses that uh, that have been noted and to boost resilience to the world's sort of, you know, inter inter twined food system to, to be resilient, more resilient to future pandemics. So it's a massive, interesting summit that's going ahead next Thursday, the 23rd of September. More than a year has passed since uh, uh, over, it's been over a year that COVID-19 has kind of really plunged the, the food production and logistics world into chaos, among other things. Of course, lots of things have been in chaos, but that's one aspect. And, and it exposed vulnerabilities and equalities of, uh, you know, the existing food systems of both production and uh, supplying logistically that were um, that were really put under great strain to struggle with not only getting food from, uh, let's say, farm to processing plant to consumer, but also um, to ensure that people got an adequate amount of nutrition around the world. So it's a massive issue, this, this first topic on your uh, return to our Tuesday chat. It's a heavy number, Noreen. Uh, it um, is but, indeed uh, a very important and, and very interesting issue as well. Um, I remember speaking with uh, Daisy Tam, who's a professor from Baptist U, and she looks at food security. Right. And we were talking about sort of the impact of the pandemic. Uh, you know, even in a place like yeah. Hong Kong, well, a- actually mm. anywhere, when you when you experience something like panic buying, it's really the, yeah. the, the sort of um, lower strata of, of society, you know, less privileged people who don't actually get access to food because everybody bulks by and then you know there's nothing left that that's one aspect of it the other aspect of it is places like hong kong where you know we we are very rich on on the surface very affluent city but when it comes down to it we we depend so heavily on imported food we're not really growing our own food it's not really sustainable um it's Mm. it's a dangerous situation to to be in if if we're hit by you know a uh, you know, pandemic after pandemic. You know, you know, God forbid. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And uh, I mean, the the supply chain actually from mainland China across the border, it has to be said, has not been disrupted as much as a, as a mm, supply chain. Very you know, good, yeah, yeah. I mean, so we still have had 
uh, a very, I mean, we've been lucky also because of our very low numbers of, um, you know, infection, that wet markets and, um, uh, and shops weren't affected at all. I mean, wet markets were, briefly. Wet markets were, uh, I think, closed for a while. But, but supermarkets were certainly not. Um, I mean, you know, we've, we've had we've, we've had it kind of light compared to elsewhere, really. Mm, um, but you know, el- el- elsewhere there were, um, you know, only only through as brief a period as is necessary. Also, supermarkets, being a necessity, were allowed to be open as much as possible in North America, in Europe, um, and and I'm sure in other in other parts of the world where possible. Yeah. But there were scenes, yeah. But there certainly were fresh produce markets that were closed around the world at different times and rotting farm produce um is a you know is a kind of unforgivable but well, it's not unforgivable no no one's blaming anyone but i mean it's just a terrible situation rather, and rather milk, than not for example i i i believe but, i read reports sorry? in milk as well uh, in the u.s oh, yeah. where, where they you know yeah. collected so much milk but they were unable the, the logistics of it they weren't so it able to sort of off. supply it. Yeah. yeah they weren't able to supply yeah. it to different yeah. restaurants or, or coffee houses one thing that came yeah. to mind andrew is do you remember during mm. the pan at early pandemic we were experiencing shortages of flour and people were baking yeah. um and so, that's part of the logistics as well we were, weren't able to sort of mm. get flour um yeah. into hong kong i mean or well different places it, of the world as well yeah i, I do remember that we, we 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 spoke about that and i heard like a mexican way different parts of the world had that same problem because people were going out a lot less if they weren't in in, in, in forced lockdown they were choosing not to go out a lot in the early days of the uh, of COVID nineteen, anyway, and um, so baking became a global phenomenon, a didn't hobby, it? Yeah. Among, yeah, people were sharing things on social media, and um, yeah, I remember us talking so many times. I I wanted to jump on that bandwagon and try and make bread, and I just I, I was going around all sorts of different spots around town when I could. I mean, I wasn't going into town just for that. I say going into town, by the way, because I live on an outlying island. But when I would come in to do appointments uh, for, for, for work or other necessities, I would check out supermarkets. And that was a, 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 a sign that, that um, yeah, that was one of the strains. Um, the, 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 so this summit that's going on in New York next week, the changes that are suggested to be uh, critical to put the world back on track in achieving sustainable development uh, and uh, of, of food production, um, is really looking at putting in some uh, changes in certain ways by 2030. There are certain um, members of governments from different countries that will be um, that will be uh, involved in this forum, if not in, in physicality, but uh, virtually in video conferencing. So the focus is going to be in addressing the kind of major threat to food security and nutrition and uh, its associated impacts on, uh, you know, shortages of food and therefore nutritional health. So uh, ahead of this summit, the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, uh, let's say FAO for short, recently uh, released a report titled The State of Food Security and Nutrition in the World 2021. So it gave a really in-depth overview over the pandemic's impact because, uh, you know, it, it does study the, uh, the state of food production generally, but it was really, everything was, you know, around what had happened during the, the backdrop of COVID-19 and the number of people that had suffered 
from chronic hunger in the world, they, they came out with some horrific stats. It rose as much as uh, it rose by an amount of 161 million in uh, 2020 to the largest. That, that's the largest single year um, of increase. The increase alone was 161 million. Um, having and, and that's after being virtually almost unchanged for five years before 2020. Um, there were other findings too that uh, during 2020 undernourishment um, climbed 1.5% in just one year, uh, reaching 9.9%, uh, which means that between 720 million and 811 million people faced what is termed uh, officially as hunger in 2020. So let's, that, you know, so, so that's, uh, that was according to the FAO report. Um, the, the, I told you it was going to be a bit of a heavy one. Welcome back, Noreen. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, before, the, before the pandemic, around 3 billion people were unable to afford or access what, we, what was determined uh, as a healthy diet, which includes food from various food groups and a great diversity in types of food among those groups. And um, as a result... 22% uh, of children in 2020 were affected by stunted growth. 6.7% uh, suffered from wasting. This is all children's statistics. Mm -hmm. And 57 uh, became overweight. This is from malnutrition and not eating the right food. Mm -hmm. And in more than 200 countries, COVID-19 has led to, no surprise, school closures, which uh, cut off access to school feeding programmes for an estimated... 370 million children uh, and affecting, which then affected related food supply chains, which normally would have been coming in just to support those 370 million children who, you know, whose family couldn't afford proper nutrition, so they got it through their schools. So, uh, the positive solutions to address these uh, uh, persistent deficiencies, because COVID is still taking its toll on the world at large, um, the recommendations from the uh, the FAO, that's again, that's the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, is saying that um, that, it, that they have six different pathways that they're suggesting. One, integrating humanitarian development and peace-building policies in conflict areas. Because despite, you know, COVID, there's been tons of other stuff going on during the year. So conflict and... Uh, Resolving that and getting peace building is, uh, is, is, is one idea that they're going to be discussing. Um, and uh, another is uh, scaling up climate resilience across food systems. So looking at how to make sure crops and live cattle, just for two examples, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't uh, become fatally um, uh, wounded or fail because of climate uh, change. So that's, that's another one. Then uh, a third one is strengthening the resilience of the most uh, vulnerable to economic adversity. So that's social policy, really. Um, I'm going to run through these as quick as I can because I know they're all, they're all talking points for, you know, that could go on forever in themselves. Um, intervening along food supply chains is another one um, to lower the cost of uh, food supply um, through logistics. And another one is, uh, these, these sound like, these actually sound, some of them, like a kind of United Nations call for 
politically just like a world utopia in some ways, because the next one is tackling poverty and structural inequalities, ensuring interventions um, so that, uh, that, that, that the poorer in the community are included in, uh, in uh, support systems. So that's, that's a very vague one. And, uh, uh, but, but of course, these are really um, elements that I'm sure they will go into many hours of discussion on each one. Uh, the last one is strengthening food environment and changing consumer behavior to promote dietary patterns with positive impact on human health so that people get used to eating a healthier diet and if another pandemic comes along, they'll be reaching for healthier foods rather than having those uh, malnutrition effects that I just mentioned, particularly in children, you know, where it affected their health quite a bit. Of course, it would have uh, affected adults too. So, um, according to um, to one of the attendees that's going to be going along to this forum, um, it's the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition. And uh, so, or if you put those letters together, have their name, it spells GAIN for short, which, uh, nice. <laughs> which is, yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? And, uh, it's um, it's running. This organisation runs nutrition programmes in ten countries across Asia and Africa, and it's developing a programme that it's going to be raising awareness for during this forum in New York next week to help sustain core food systems and markets during um, health crises. Uh, and it's put these plans together during the COVID nineteen kind of emergency period, and the. Um, Gained executive director, whose name is Lawrence Haddad, says clearly none of us, governments, developed agencies, businesses and civil society are doing enough to end the hunger crisis. But we know what to do, where to do it and what it will cost and what to achieve. I mean, he's he's coming at this forum with uh, with some real concrete plans, having spent this year of COVID really researching it with the, this global NGO. And it's going to cost, he reckons, an additional US dollar, 33 billion, that's wow. in our money, 257 billion Hong Kong dollars of public spending and getting donor contributions wow. to get that figure per year. Um, that would be enough to lift 490 million people out of hunger by 230. That was a per year figure. Um, and uh, but included in those costs, it's not just giving them food on the table, it's also keeping... Uh, some of that budget would go towards keeping greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture that's produced, whether it's crops or livestock, uh, in line with the Paris Agreement's target limit to keep global warming down to 1.5 Celsius, uh, 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2030, um, and um, to double the incomes of uh, around 550 million small-scale farmers. Um, that's according to Haddad, the, uh, the head of GAIN. Um, yeah, so according to Haddad as well, to keep food systems operating effectively during pandemics, there are some points um, that need, uh, some areas that need more protection. And um, are you okay with this, Noreen, or is it just too much information? Shall no, I go no, through no. this? Yeah, yeah, please do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I so, just thought you had a lot uh, to go through, and I, I, f I would feel bad to yeah. interrupt. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, go oh, on. Oh, no, 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 I didn't. But, I, but I, I was also aware that I might be kind of going on about this for a bit too long. But there's a lot to say, really. And um, so, yeah, according to GAIN, the, uh, the five areas 
sector that need more protection in food production are, uh, or, or in the story in the food chain, are low-income con- consumers who are vulnerable and marginalised. And then um, here's a scary one: people working within food production systems who are on low wages without contracts, sometimes as forced labour. Um, That's so really it's, scary. It's, yes. It is, it is. It's really, I mean, it's going to be even more illuminating in this forum next week. It, 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 it connected to that point, if their nutrition status is depleted, these people who are, you know, possibly not Producing paid according our food, to yeah. Game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, um, then they are more likely to fall ill, um, uh, which can contaminate the food system, and it can also cause the whole food system to grind to a halt if too much behind the scenes you know, quietly, these kind of people are being used, if correct. Um, it's, so that is a scary prospect, isn't it? And I, uh, another area that needs protection, according to GAIN, is small-scale farmers. They need to acknowledge uh, and finance... Um, sorry, they need access to knowledge and finance to make sure that their next harvest are not adversely affected mm. by what's going on around them, whether it's a uh, pandemic, whether it's um, food logistics system limitations, um, or if there's a, uh, a repeat uh, of the pandemic or a new uh, health situation that they can survive within that for small scale farmers. Yeah, and we um, hear that but, a lot. Um, say, you mm. know, in the Philippines, for example, you know, we hear it in in, in foreign domestic community, uh, foreign domestic helpers communities, where back home yeah. they they might have a small farm, but due to the 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 lockdown because of COVID, they've got all these mm. crops, they've got you know c- uh, cattle and and whatnot, they're unable to distribute it. Uh, and some of the right. food, unfortunately, goes to waste because there's not yeah. a lot of sort of network or support. Well, they're all under lockdown. So they yeah. can't, from their barangay, they aren't able to sort of get it out to the local town or the city. So Sure. I mean, you mentioned also that this was going on. Um, uh, sorry, what were you saying? The food stuff that was uh, spoiling uh, previously, you referred to uh, something. But I mean, you, oh, it was dairy, milk. Um, but, yeah, that's but, right, uh, milk. Yeah, but I, but I also remember um, one thing you know, on a tiny scale, and it's kind of real first world problem stuff. But I remember mentioning as one of, in, in one of my Tuesday reports that there was a um, a craft cider producer just outside of London that was giving free pints of cider to its uh, pub in in southeast London in Bermondsey because they had vats and vats of the stuff that didn't they don't use preservatives in their production so they couldn't keep it for for so long and so it's a real first world thing i say though you know because because having a having cider is not exactly a uh, a must-have a must you know not not something that's necessary but that's what they that's what they did is one of the many stories of of how people managed or not to stop stuff that they'd spent time labor and in some cases uh you know, not not using chemicals or pesticides to produce, and then it's uh, yeah, there was a lot of spoilage of all sorts of things. So that was um, that, that was that was on the list. Then small scale farmers to be protected. Another is uh, small and medium sized food enterprises (SMEs) in the food industry that had their uh, that have limitations on transport and you know being able to spend more on. Uh, getting their food out there during during lockdowns or mm. restrictions, um, and also that they uh, gain reckons that these small food 
enterprises that are producing food need stricter hygiene measures because there have been cases of, you know, food being infected with COVID during this time. So this has raised the uh, the knowledge that uh, stricter hygiene is needed in production. And uh, another one was merchants and workers in food markets need to be kept safe uh, with more focus on distancing at times of uh, pandemic in their area, more protective equipment while they're working in food markets and enforced food safety standards properly enforced um, because that was that was highlighted as an area where some passing of the uh, of the virus did go around according to gain. So coming to to the end of this uh, this this heavy opener and to the end of the segment actually might be the only one. So it could be a serious a serious one for discussion on your uh, resumption of Tuesday chats with myself, Noreen. Thank you. No, it's good. It's very important. <laughs> so the, the the report has been released. Um, and and the summit did you mention is next Thursday uh, ahead of the yeah. the event, which is next, next Thursday. Yeah, Google if you're interested in this, listener and Noreen. Food System Summit, and it will be come to its conclusion. Um, I actually, to be honest, I didn't see if it's going on for more than the one day, but it starts next Thursday. The findings from that day one uh, in, in US time, of course, will be online, I'm sure. I'll, I'll certainly be looking out for, uh, for some of the reports after it. Great. Thank you so much, Andrew, for your sharing. And it's great to be back and, and great to chat with you. And I look forward to more chats with you this Thursday. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew Dennis.